Welcome to the Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. Thank you for joining us today. We'd like to welcome our guest, Ari Rastegar, founder, chairman of Rastegar Equity Partners, a real estate investment firm headquartered out of New York City with offices in several cities, and he is talking to us from their offices in Dallas, Texas. Ari, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Thank you so much for having me. So, Ari, you were raised in Texas. Uh, you've had a love for real estate uh, your entire life. You were, you've were you been mentored by some of the best. After law school at St. Mary's, you started building family homes, did that very successfully for a little while, and then the market became frothy, so you went into practice in real estate. You moved to New York City, had more mentoring, and now you guys have offices in several states. You have a growing real estate empire. You're focusing on several types of commercial real estate primarily, and among others, you're very strong and active in the storage facilities arena. So give us a brief background of yours, will you? Yeah, that, that's you know that that's that's a great overview. So you know, look, my you know my father was an immigrant in the United States, um, like many um, Iranians uh, during the late seventies and early eighties. You know, after the revolution, um, you know, my grandfather was you know medical doctor, um, and when they came here, you know, had to really start over. So you know, at, at one point, I saw that as a, kind of a, a difficult you know set of cards I was dealt. But in hindsight, it was you know one of the greatest you know opportunities. Because it really, you know, taught me resilience and you know taught me kind of self reliance, um, and ultimately, as you said, you know, when I, I started my real estate investment company, the first one actually while I was in law school, uh, my very first year. So you know, I was a Texas A and M undergrad, and you know, funny, you know, studying you know English literature um, while I was at A and M, which is you know people that know Texas A and M is agriculture and mechanics. You know, English is not exactly uh, what they're known for, but me being a student of philosophy and um, being kind of a book nerd and always being kind of sharp with numbers, it made a lot of sense for me um, to be there. But I always thought, hey, look, you know, real estate was going to be where, where I wanted to be as a young kid. I always, you know, fantasized of, you know, owning my own buildings or even when it was completely out of reach and, you know, we came, we're at a socioeconomic level that um, it probably seemed impossible. And not to mention, I had a you know a terrible lisp um, and a stutter growing up that I had to go through seven years of speech therapy um, to really be able to articulate sentences in a coherent way. You know, I really had a, a journey in front of me to kind of get to where we were, and these were the, the stepping stones of you know how all this came together. Because at the end of the day, you know, success leaves clues. So when you kind of go back and connect the dots. Um, it shows, you know, a much more colorful picture that had a lot more kind of ups and downs, probably more downs than ups than, you know, I care to admit. But when I got to law school, I said, hey, you know, why wait? You know, why do I have to wait till I get out of law school to start my company? So I borrowed three thousand uh, dollars for one of my buddies from college's father, um, along with the rest of my scholarship money, and partnered with a local general contractor. And my philosophy was, look, if you know this guy understands the area, you know he can throw the hammers. If I can convince him to build it at cost, 
you know, we can go to one of the local um, state bank and trusts that he worked with. Um, we could probably get an interim construction loan to build one of these houses. So that's what we did. We partnered. Um, he built it. I put up the money, and we went 50-50. And that model of kind of 50-50, you know, partnerships carried through to the rest of my career um, along with how we kind of structured, you know, some of our offerings. So we did one, and it was successful. Uh, we did two, and we kept growing from there. And by 2007, you know, the markets were hitting all-time highs. And, you know, fortunate for me, um, my daughter's godfather, who was, you know, one of the, you know, most senior people ever at Credit Suisse in the conduit lending space, um, you know, got to talking with him, who was cousins of my wrestling coach back in high school. And, you know, it's funny how it all comes together. I got, a, got the wink, wink, you know, the, you know, the music might stop. Uh, so we successfully exited the business. Um, I wish I could tell you that I walked away with millions and billions of dollars of profit, which I thought I would. Um, I, in fact, didn't. Uh, but I walked away without filing bankruptcy, <laughs> without owing anybody any money, um, and keeping my credit and my reputation intact. Um, paid back my, my original investor in full plus interest and um, learned a lot. And from there, um, I decided to take the bar and um, became an attorney because my father probably would have killed me if I didn't. So uh, I decided that was a good idea and uh, moved to Manhattan and, you know, was, you know, working on Wall Street through some of the most illustrious names in this business, you know, from the hospitality side um, with, you know, some of the founders and you know, ex-CEO of Morgan's Group Hotels um, to working directly with, you know, the Credit Suisse guys who are now at Cantor Fitzgerald. Uh, lending the space and was very fortunate to work directly alongside them and learning kind of the nuts and bolts of how private equity um, really operated. And, you know, I had a stint, you know, when the markets were kind of frothy of doing some entrepreneurial things in the entertainment space, um, in the technology space, which really helped dovetail um, back into how we run our practice now of understanding, you know, how these buildings should be marketed, you know, understanding how we present um, the assets that we have, you know, how we're able to explain uh, the mechanics, um, you know, of different properties and from a branding standpoint, how brands, um, you know, treat their assets as intellectual property. And it really gave me this broad-based understanding, you know, of how the business worked. Like, as a more tangible example, you know, self-storage, which has become this, like, super big, you know, buzzword in the industry. Everyone loves storage. Um, you know, a few reasons behind that is an analogy that I've, you know, given for years is, you know, when the markets are booming and you buy a new couch, where do you put the old couch? Well, usually... You put it in storage because, as Americans, you know, we love our stuff. <laughs> and, you know, we kind of overvalue a lot of things that we keep. So during the times of, you know, called the bull market, storage has historically done really well. So if you look at the charts 15, 20 years back and you look through the um, – through kind of the peaks and valleys, you'll see that storage really performed well during the bull markets. Well, what about the bear markets? So the markets collapsed and people lose their big houses and they have to downsize into an apartment or something smaller. Where do they put all the furniture? Well, storage is, again, the answer. So what you're looking at here is a truly recession-resilient or recession-resistant asset. You know, I really hate the term recession-proof, you know, because – 
you know, I'm in the risk management business. That's what I do for a living. Walking across the street has risk. You know, driving a car is risky. I mean, like anything you do has an element of risk. So to call it recession proof would just really be a misnomer. So we prefer kind of this recession resilient or resistant uh, phraseology. And so with that said, you know, the CapEx is lower. You know, there's no toilets. <laughs> um, it's a very landlord-friendly business uh, because you're not displacing people. So in a multifamily situation, we also are you know, really big fans of affordable housing, um, not to be confused with Section 8, um, but really, you know, call it vintage assets built in um, the late uh, the late 60s, late 70s, early 80s um, that already had an element of stabilization. But they could use a little bit of tender love and care, you know, call it a little bit of lipstick, maybe a, you know, taking that property from being a C plus and turning it into a, you know, B minus type asset with a little bit of CapEx. So the thing that these assets have in common is when the economy goes down, they've stayed relatively stable um, in their performance. And that's what we're after. When I entered this business, there was a few things that I wanted to attack because in my mind, you know, great businesses solve a problem. You know, it, it can't just be for the, you know, wanting to make financial rewards, make money. None of that works. You have to have a product that serves your customer base, that is doing something that's contributing to the industry or it's, you know, evolving out of some other antiquated model. And one of the things we look to do is say, hey, can we build a portfolio that, um, that has income? that produces good current cash flows to solve the problem of yield in the marketplace. Because you look at the global markets, you know, yield is a huge problem. We're a yield-starved environment with artificially low interest rates. Um, how can we do something that would be non-correlated? So when I look at acquisitions, because you know, I'm the um, chief acquisition officer of the firm, I'm looking at downside risk. How can we protect against that? How, when we know that we're in the you know second longest bull market in history, um, where right now forward operating earnings are probably trading between 19 to 20 times, you're asking for a major correction. So if that happens, how can people be safe and have a non-correlated asset um, class to complement the global portfolio for either so, public pension fund? Um, so Ari, maybe we, can come, maybe we can come back to that. Um, why don't you tell us uh, what you see as uh, the good opportunities today in addition to the storage facilities that I know you guys are very, very strong in. What are good opportunities in real estate today and what do you see as as opportunities that you see in the late innings you know i think it's a fantastic question and quite frankly it's that question that keeps me up at night um, is continuously asking that question because um, the problem with you know a lot of times when you come up with a strategy and you you know a lot of managers they want to raise a fund or they want to do you know some you know raise some sort of capital for around a certain strategy a lot of times when it comes to deploying that capital and actually effectuating that business plan the markets have evolved so you have to be very very you know conscious to be agile um, to respond to what the markets need so I really love that question because it's something I think about it a lot well what I can tell you more of what is not not the things that we're looking at. That's I think good. That's an okay, way well, to do it. We can live with that. One, 
One is retail, um, and I know we've seen it a lot out there. You know, you know, Amazon's taking over the world, and I'll kind of give you the devil's advocate on both sides. Is you know, retail is being reinvented. We're watching big boxes go dark um, all across the country. Um, but as a quick aside, wouldn't it be great if you picked up a retail center with great inline tenants with no big box and convert the big box into storage? Aha. Uh-huh. Okay, that's a unique approach, so, I'm sure. So it's kind of the out-of-the-box thinking that we like to do. So when you talk about an asset class per se and where opportunity is, it's more about understanding the deal on a case-by-case basis. So a lot of times you look at an asset, let's say in retail, and say, oh, retail is bad right now. Well, if there's a unique situation where a big REIT owns that property and they're liquidating that particular fund and you can get it at a big discount, well, hey, that could still be a great opportunity. So I think getting away from, oh, this asset, asset class, that asset class, you know, this market, this thing as, you know, as being a hard line to everything you do, I think it's a mistake. I think it's good to have those parameters for effectuating your strategy and it's necessary. But in this market, you know, agility and, you know, kind of flexibility is more important um, than ever. So, you know, we're not looking at big malls. You know, we're not looking at retail now. We're not looking at golf courses. You know, we're not looking at class A assets and major markets. We're the secondary and tertiary guys. You know, I like, you know, Columbus, Ohio. You know, we love, you know, D- you know Dallas, Texas, which is, you know, probably a, is a primary market, but, you know, is a major uh, metroplex. So on the more of the outskirts of the major cities, um, you know, are the cities that we like. Kansas City, Missouri, as an example. Des Moines, Iowa. Um, you know, cities that have, you know, real Americans with real jobs. Um, that have kind of a reason to actually be there, the right industries, good diversity um, of economics. Like we love Texas. I mean, I'm from Texas, so I'm, you know, I'm not biased, obviously. <laughs> but, you know, when you look at the economics of Texas as a whole, you know, at one point Texas was, you know, operating a $12 billion surplus. <laughs> so, you know, if it was a country, you know, Texas would be, you know, one of the largest countries in the world. Yeah. Um, so we love the economics of Texas, no state income taxes. You know, we're watching major companies, you know, move into the area. You know, Toyota recently, um, you know, in the past, you know, couple of years moved one of their largest headquarters, North American headquarters to Plano, Texas, um, which is a city in the suburbs of Dallas. These areas that don't have that boom and bust element. We're not in Miami, you know, Miami Beach. We're not in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, we like to be the, you know, in very safe, stable areas that have great potential for long-term growth. You know, Ari, we need to take a short break. This is very interesting, and we really appreciate your insights. Uh, and uh, but, but we need to take a break. Again, we're talking with Ari Rastigar, founder, chairman of Rastigar Equity Partners out of New York and Texas and other areas. And you're listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, and we will be right back. <laughs> All right, time for our tip of the week with Charlie Wright. Who have we got with you today, Charlie? Paul, we've got Tim Plain, editor of the newsletter The Dividend Hunter by Investors Alley. Tim, thanks for joining us. Hi, Charlie. Glad to be here. Tim, you published The Dividend Hunter to recommend investments of high dividends, stocks, uh, BDCs, REITs, etc. So what tip do you have for us today? 
Well, Charlie, just last night ran a seminar for my subscribers and invited the managers of the InfraCap MLP ETF, stock symbol AMZA. This is the first actively managed ETF in the MLP space, and investors get excited because it has a 20% dividend. 20% dividend yield. <laughs> That's the big elephant in the room here. How are they able to do that? They own a portfolio of MLPs, and then they also sell covered calls against those MLPs. And we got a real nice explanation last night from the managers. They're confident they can continue to generate enough cash flow to pay the dividend, which makes my subscribers pretty happy. So give us that ticker symbol again. It's AMZA. AMZA. Okay. And for those who would like to know more, Tim, where can they go? My dividend hunter information and information about my other services can be found on the InvestorsAlley.com website. Okay, InvestorsAlley.com. Tim, thank you very much for joining us today, and happy dividend hunting. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Uh, again, we're talking with Ari Rastegar, founder, chairman of Rastegar Equity Partners. So uh, tell us, Ari, you have said you like storage facilities. You, at the present time, do not like retail. And you like tertiary markets. So if you were talking to someone who, was, who, who, who said, hey, look, uh, Ari, I can't make any money in bonds today. In fact, I'm probably going to lose money in bonds. Stock market is uh, overvalued, overpriced. I think it's too close to a top. Um, uh, other kinds of investments have their own challenges. I like real estate, but I understand that uh, cap rates are a real struggle right now. What would you suggest for someone who wants to invest in managed commercial real estate these days? Yeah, I, I think I think it's it's a great question because when you kind of looking for you know what fixed income I guess has failed to produce in recent years, you know, I think the question is saying, hey, where can I get you know some extra income, and is real estate a good place to do that? You know, if I'm understanding the question right. And the short answer is yes. You know, what I, what I would say is in this particular market, where we are in the cycle, this is not the time for experimentation. Um, meaning there are times when the market has a little bit of cushion, where cap rates are more expanded, that, you know, you don't really have to... You know, how do I put this? I guess the surgical analysis or the sensitivity test and the stress test that you run, you know, have a little bit of room for error. And, you know, maybe you're not going to hit the ball out of the park, um, but you probably can do something that's feasible, um, that's a pretty good deal. Well, right now, the markets have become more and more efficient. I mean, the public markets are extremely efficient, as we know, and there's obviously still, obviously still great fragments and opportunities um, in the private space and the real estate sector. But now more than ever, it's really time for specialists. I mean, it's kind of, you know, like if I cut my hand, you know, right now and it's bleeding everywhere, I probably could figure out how to stitch it up myself and, you know, not have to amputate my hand, but it's probably more efficient to go to the doctor and have them stitch it. And, you know, what I mean by that is if we're, if they're seeing real estate as a viable opportunity, which it no doubt is, they need to believe in the power of partnership. They need to go find specialists that are in the field. I always recommend people going to their registered investment advisors. Um, you know, I'm a huge proponent of fiduciary rule and, you know, dealing with, you know, fee-based advisors. And a lot of times, you know, the, the great advisors have great alternative books. You know, you know, we, we work closely with Fidelity, uh, with TDM. 
Ameritrade, um, but it should very much be used with caution. And if you are going to do it, make sure you're with a seasoned group with a excellent track record that you can basically partner with, invest with, learn the process, and take it slow. Um, because as you know, cap rates continue to compress. Um, a small mistake in a different market might not be fatal, but in this market it could be. Well, very interesting. We appreciate that input. And that, that's not uh, the kind of response we have gotten in the past uh, with that kind of question on, on real estate. So l- l- let's switch focus uh, a little bit here, Ari. Uh, you, you mentioned that um, you were very blessed and fortunate to have an, some excellent mentors in uh, building a real estate practice and understanding the industry. And I think, Ari, a good 20-plus percent of all the college students I've ever talked to said they wanted to go into real estate. Everybody seems to want to go into real estate over the decades, okay? And, I, and we're in Southern California, so we can certainly see that. When you are asked that, you know, a question, by someone looking to enter the real estate industry as a career, what advice do you or would you give to them, given the experience you've had? Yeah, I would. Um, I always look at these questions more personalized in the sense where I, I kind of pose it differently and think, okay, what would I tell my younger self? Right? Like, I kind of look back when I was, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old, 18, 20, 25. Um, what would I have wished I knew, right, during that time? And I think that the thing that um, young entrepreneurs, I really want them to understand, especially with the real estate industry, but this advice even applies across, you know, all kind of entrepreneurial careers, is that you got to play the long game. You have to have to play the long game. And this whole, you know, flipping the houses and making money overnight, this, that, and the other, it's just not our game by any stretch of the imagination. I think a lot of people have done the flipping thing and done really well. God bless them. I'm I'm sure they understand something I don't. Um, But from a long-term sustainability standpoint and emphasizing one key phrase, risk-adjusted returns. What risk are you willing to take for what return? I would drill that into their heads. It says you need to focus on risk-adjusted returns, meaning it's going to take time. Go slow. Learn the details. You know, work under some great people. Do the grunt work. Because a lot of times you're like, well, I don't want to do the grunt work. I was a straight-A student at XYZ University. Well, guess what? All the jewels, all the real knowledge that makes that engine work are at the ground level or the grunt work. And I would really advise them if they're going to go through the residential route is to go get your real estate license. Go out there and, you know, shadow some of the people that have done it before. Be out there. Get real life experience. If you want to be on Wall Street, you know, start there as an analyst. Make sure your education has some accounting in it. Make sure you have a firm knowledge, you know, of finance, some sort of rudimentary understanding of finance, especially accounting, because accounting is the language of business. You know, if you understand the language of business, you're going to be, you know, fighting a lesser battle than others in your shoes. But I urge them to kind of take it slow because I very much believe in what's called the compound effect. Um, So Darren Hardy, who's the founder of Success Magazine, you know, published a book recently called The Compound Effect. What's beautiful about it is he talks about how small incremental changes or compound interest, if you will, over time have massive J-curve, J-curve benefits. And it's the same with with anything. Slow and steady wins the race. Einstein has a great quote that I live by. He said, the two most powerful forces in the universe are gravity 
and compound interest. And I want them to understand that now because the more time they have on their side, the more of an upside they're going to have as well. You know, great advice, Ari. Uh, if I have any uh, grandkids or nieces and nephews uh, looking for advice in uh, real estate, especially on the commercial side, I may have them give you a call one day. So, so we <laughs> I'd like that very much. So, Ari, a question we'd like to ask all of our guests. What book on investing would you recommend for our listeners? You know, um, there's a lot of great ones out there. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a student of the classics. You know, obviously, um, if you you know have your have your magnifying glass with you, The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham um, should be a staple um, in everybody's kind of uh, library of investing. But most recently, I really enjoyed Tony Robbins' book, uh, Money Master: The Game. And you know, Tony, you know, historically, you know, I'm, I'm actually. You know, very big fan of Tony Robbins and a lot of um, his core value training and, um, you know, how he goal setting workshops and, you know, just the way, um, you know, he kind of trains you to deal with life. But he was very fortunate to have the ears of some of the greatest financial minds of our time. And what he did is kind of, you know, lift up the hood on 401k plans and the fees behind them and, you know, kind of different chapters dedicated to different investors like Ray Dalio and Warren Buffett. And, you know, and he really got the information directly from the horse's mouth and it's a new publication newer publication in the past couple of years so it has a bunch of you know very relevant timely information to kind of what this global landscape looks like so if you're going to pick one up I, I really think that that's a great one to kind of hear from some of the greatest minds themselves Ari, thank you very much. So, Ari, for those who would like to know more for whatever reason or whatever uh, real estate matters, uh, give us some contact information, will you? Sure. You know, RastigarEquityPartners.com is our site, and, you know, they can sign up for uh, our newsletter and some other information um, there, and um, that's probably probably the best way to find us. Okay. So how about providing final words for our listeners here, Ari? You know, final words to listeners is, you know, this is one of the greatest opportunities in the history of mankind to build wealth. And, you know, all I can say is don't listen to the media too much. You know, don't buy into a lot of the fake news and all the doom and gloom. You know, there has never been a better time to build tremendous amounts of wealth, but it just takes time. And I urge everybody to be bold. And if they have that dream, they have that vision, have that little itch, get off your butt and go make it happen. You know, Ari, uh, you, you can talk, but so many of us can't. We were born in this country. We have grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents in this country. We did not, most of us did not have to go through seven years of speech therapy to be able to talk. And by the way, whoever the therapist was, they earned their income. One would never know. Never. I, I'm just surprised, and we've talked before. I'm surprised to hear that uh, you, uh, you had that issue because you have certainly overcome it. So you have overcome some real challenges, uh, not the least of which probably was uh, passing law school and uh, the bar exam. (laughs) And so uh, you can speak from a position of knowledge and understanding and background, and you have had those challenges, and you've recognized the benefit of those challenges and and the like. So thank you very much for sharing with us uh, the benefit of your insights and thoughts, and wish you uh, the best of uh, luck in continuing with uh, Rastigar Equity Partners. 
Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time. And if there's anything you need, just uh, just let us know. Thanks so much. Okay. Thank you, Ari. Again, we've been talking with Ari Rastagar, founder chairman of Rastagar e- Equity Partners, real estate investment firm out of New York City. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio. And uh, we'd love to hear from you at info at strategicinvestorradio.com. And you can go to our website to listen to po- all of our 250 or so previous podcast, strategicinvestorradio.com. I'm Charlie Wright and like to wish you an enjoyable week and productive investing. Strategic Investor Radio is a production of OC Talk Radio and is provided for educational purposes only. Content of this program and the views of the guests should not be considered as recommendations by OC Talk Radio or investment advice from the host, Charlie Wright, or any other entity attached to this production. Investors should always consult qualified financial, investment, tax, or legal professionals prior to investing. 